welcome back to another podcast of Science with Angie. I'm your host, as always. Um, we know you guys have been enjoying the science topic lately, so we decided to make more. I have a very interesting topic that you probably wouldn't know unless you went to school and learned about it. But if not, we'll just keep listening. Science joke of the day is, what do you do with a dead chemist? I don't know, Angie. What do you do with a dead chemist? Well, it's barium. Get it? Because like, you bury him. Ha 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 ha, that's hilarious. Today we have a special guest from Cambridge University. Her name is Gina Day. So Gina, what will we be talking about today? We will be talking about the uses of radioisotopes in nuclear medicine and some of the different kinds of radioisotopes used in nuclear medicine. Wow, that sounds interesting. So, if you don't mind, what exactly are radioisotopes? Because all I know is that radioisotopes have a combination of neutrons and protons that does not exist in nature, but is produced artificially, and that the atoms is called as being unstable. Yes, you are definitely correct about that, but some other things about radioisotopes are that there are 3,800 in total. 200 of them are used on a daily basis, however, most must be produced artificially. You know, radioisotopes can be measured in several ways. Once by neutron activation in a nuclear reactor, or it can be manufactured in a cyclotron. The nucleus of a radioisotope becomes stable, emitting alpha or beta particles can also be accompanied by gamma rays, which is the emission of energy in the form of electromagnetic radiation. This process is known as radioactive decay. Radiopharmaceutical particles is is a radioactive produced used in medicine. (laughs) Wait, hold on, rewind. Okay, well, so you're saying that we can make radioisotopes and put them in medicine? Well, to start off, we of course need to know what nuclear medicine is. By any chance, Angie, do you know what it is? Well, to be honest, I only know that it's used by physicians to diagnose the patient's illnesses. So, not really. That's exactly right. Nuclear medicine was developed in the 1950s by physicians, and it is basically a branch of medicine that uses radiation to provide information about the functioning of a patient's organs or its ways to treat the disease. It can also be used to image the following organs and disorders such as thyroid, bones, heart, liver, and many other organs. Disorders such as tumors and neurological disorders, heart diseases, and many other different types of cancer. Wait, hold up. I just googled something on my phone and it says that more than 30 million people are hospitalized each year in the United States. One third are treated with nuclear medicine. That's insane. Exactly. See how powerful science can be? I know it's powerful, but the fact that nuclear medicine can treat so many people is mind-blowing, like, So, well, that's the end of nuclear medicine. So, Gina, how is this all possible? What makes it work? Like, what's the heart of it? There are different types of radioisotopes. I can talk about some of them if you like. Of course. Please do. Okay, so... Wait! Gina, did you hear about the chemist who was reading a book about helium? No, I actually never heard about that. What happened? Well, he just couldn't put it down. (laughs) Oh, I see. That was a joke. That's a good one. Sorry about that. Continue about the different radioisotopes. 
Iodine-131 is the first radioisotope. It was used to diagnose and then treat thyroid disease. Radioiodine therapy is a nuclear medicine treatment for an overreactive thyroid, which is hyperthyroidism, and may also be used to treat thyroid cancer. Iodine-131 is a radioactive iodine isotope that emits radiation. Small doses of iodine-131 is swallowed and is absorbed into the bloodstream, concentrated by the thyroid gland where it begins destroying the gland cells. Hold up. So if I have some thyroid problem, I can just swallow iodine-131? Well, technically, yes. You can, but you need a special doctor before that happens. Um, well, yeah, of course. So, overactive thyroid. It's the radioactive iodine dose that destroys part of the thyroid gland so that the remaining part of the thyroid functions at a normal level. Iodine-131 has a half-life, has a very short half-life of 8.02 days, making it highly radioactive. Cancer. A large dose of radioactive iodine may be prescribed to completely destroy any remaining thyroid in the thyroid area, and will also destroy any cancerous thyroid that may have moved elsewhere in the body. Seaborg's mother was one of the first to benefit from the uses of iodine-131 that her son had discovered. President George Bush and First Lady Barbara Bush were successfully treated for Graves' disease, a type of thyroid disease. Iodine-131 treatment is extremely successful to the point that it has almost replaced thyroid surgery. It emits radiation in the form of medium-energy gamma rays and beta particles, disrupts molecules in cells, and deposits energy in tissues, causing damage. Wow, that is... Insane. Okay, so I was curious of what you said about iodine. So I thought to research about carbon-14 because I've heard of it in school. If you don't mind, I would like to see if I can explain it, explain what it is, but if I'm incorrect in any way, please correct me. Will do. To start off, carbon-14 has a life of, half-life of 5,731. <coughs> oh, I mean, never mind. 5,730. Carbon is used to de- detect gastric ure- urease as an acid in the diagnosis of H. pleuro infection. Is that how you say it, Gina? Yeah, pleuri. Oh, pleuri infection in the stomach. The test involves taking two breath samples and swallowing ca- carbon-14, which is a radioactive tracer. The sample breaths of C14 determines the bacteria. You repeat the breath breath sample. Sorry, my bad. Uh, after 12 minutes, you have to take in- take the pill. The procedure takes about 15 minutes around there. Carbon-14 is useful in radioactive dating, but not as useful in nuclear medicine. The method of decay for carbon-14 is beta. So basically, um, in the decay, carbon-14 decays into nitrogen-14 through beta decay. As I said before, like 4 million times, my bad. Carbon-14 is a treat due to its long half-life. It may not show a present long-term af- effect. So... And to finish off about carbon-14, um, it contains six protons and eight neutrons in the atomic nucleus. Wow, Angie. I'm, appre- I'm impressed by your amazing research skills. Thank you. Thank you very much. You know, Google's got your back, especially Wikipedia. Well, it's time, everyone. We will have a short break and be right with you again after the break. We are back.
back from the break. I hope you guys like that snazzy music I had there. You know, it's pretty good. Anyways, I was talking to Gina here during the break, and she will be explaining, explain. Well, I I cannot say it, but it's like technetium ninety nine. Why you say it, Gina? Testium ninety nine. Oh, testium ninety nine. Because I did see it on Google, but I just could not understand it. Like it was way out of my head. So Gina, can you please explain it for us? Technetium ninety nine is a radioisotope radioisotope widely used in nuclear medical procedures. It decays by an isomeric process which emits gamma rays and low energy beta particles. It is a radioactive substance that radiates gamma rays. Half-life undergoes gamma radiation and it takes six hours to decrease by half. The half-life of this substance is six hours. Wait, so I thought all radioisotopes have used days as their half-life, so is that not true? No, not always. They can also use time. It has a considerable long half-life, considering the fact that it emits gamma rays. The half-life of radioisotopes are usually too short. The radioactive decay of the isotopes is relied up to diagnose and treat the patient. The body reacts to substances differently when there is a disease present. Diagnose of the disease. Teshniotum-99 is bound to another chemical substance that can work out the body without causing any harm. After this, both chemicals are transported inside the body. This results in testutum-99, the radioactive isotope, working as a medical tracer from inside the body and can, be de- de- and can be detected by special medical equipments. Other uses are for a bone scan. It is widely used to scan fractures and other problems of bones. Teshniotum 99M is chemically attached to MDP, which is a substance that easily is taken up by the bones, to be easily transported to the one vial hydro hydroaxopate for imaging. That sounds like a hard word. (laughs) The diagnose of the bones can be easily done. It is used as a medical tracer in radioactive isotope medical tests and is used in the treatment of the following diseases. Brain, thyroid, lungs, liver, gallbladder, kidney, skeleton, blood, tumors, and this hard word that I cannot pronounce, myocardium. Wow. So, Gina, what are the be- benefits of Technium? The benefits of Technium 99. The principal benefit is its long half-life. Six hours is long enough for various medical examinations to be done. Technium 99M is short enough to be eliminated from the system without causing any harm. The radiation dose remains low because Teshniotum-99 emits gamma rays. Since it can be attached to most chemicals, it can be used for the treatment of various parts of the body. It emits 140 electron volt gamma rays, which is readily detectable. It is one of the most useful radioactive isomers widely used in nuclear medicine, and it can only be produced artificially for medicinal purposes. Well, that sounds like benefits to me, huh? It definitely is. So Angie, I heard you know about radium-223? I think you should explain that to us. Uh, you sure about that? I'm 100% sure about that. Take it away. Well, I'm not some smart radioisotopes professor just like you. (laughs) I can help if you mess up. Okay, fine, okay, I'll try. So radium-223 has a half-life of... 11.4 days. It is used to indicate the treatment of patients with castration resistant prostate cancer. Symptomic bone 
metastasis. I think you meant symptomatic bone metastates. Oh, yeah, that thing. Anyways, and no known viscer. These are hard words. I think oh you my meant god. Viscosal metastatic disease. Yeah, viscosal metastatic disease. Um, radium 223 is described by Mary and Pierre Curie. The method of decay is using alpha. RA-223 de- de- decays to a stable isotope of lead, PB-207, after emitting four alpha particles through the following decay chain. See? I knew you could do it. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Thank um, yeah. you so much for having me on your podcast. Well, you can come anytime. You have something interesting to say? Well, my bad. Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> my bad. I, like, I was drinking my water and like I messed up, but... Anyways, well, you can come anytime if you have anything interesting to say. But if you don't, unfortunately, you can't come. <laughs> don't worry, I always have something interesting to say. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Ladies and gentlemen, if you like this podcast, please feel free to download it on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, and more. If not, check out my YouTube channel, Angie Ruiz. Thank you and have a fantastic day on experiencing new science skills at school or experiment at home parent or guardian must be permitted for experiments just in case for any hazards.